0: My name's Scott Weatherly, and I'm the host of 20th Century Geek, the podcast that looks at all aspects of geek and pop culture from the 20th century. Whether by myself or with an amazing guest, 20th Century Geek delivers full movie series retrospectives, classic comic reviews and discussions, interviews with those that created and contributed to 20th century pop culture, and everything else in between. 20th Century Geek is your one-stop shop for retro geek talk. Find us on iTunes, Spotify and all other podcast catchers.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Indie, Comic, Spotlight, the show where we do a deep dive into an ongoing series or graphic novel, or in this case, the world maybe one of the longest ongoing series from a company other than The Big Two. This is the best of the rest. And this time, we're going to go to a book that maybe you didn't even know was a book. And so when when, when we talk about it, we'll have to see. I'll be interested to hear from the Twitterverse and from my monthly permanent co-host, to find out how she first heard of Josie and the Pussycats. And you've already heard one version of the theme song coming in. You'll hear a different version of the theme song going out. (laughs) Um, So Josie and the Pussycats, hello, 1963, created by Dan DiCarlo for Archie Comics. I heard of Josie and the Pussycats from the TV show. They were a Hanna-Barbera show, which the book that we're gonna cover today actually shows that in a very metaverse way, which is super cool. How are you familiar with Josie and the Pussycats? Bria Corrigan, welcome back, permanent co-host. Hello. Hello.
0: Thanks for having me back and to talk about Josie and the Pussycats, which is very exciting. So I don't know if this is the same for everybody in the UK, but my experience with Josie and the Pussycats is that I always sort of knew of them, but from the cartoon. Mm -hmm. They don't think it was... That popular here. It was just like one of those cultural things that you know about, but knowing, but you always sort of knew it's quite big in America. And it wasn't until the film came out that I properly knew it was based on a comic strip. I presume,
1: comic books, Rather- Archie comics. They were comic yeah. books. yep
0: yeah, yeah. And then of course, with Riverdale coming out on Netflix, it became sort of more of a, oh right, that's where it's from, and it feels. Sort of like, I always knew that, but didn't know that. So there was always sort of like a vague understanding that it existed for Archie Comics and it was a strip, and it, and you know it wasn't sort of like a proper graphic novel type stuff, but not. But I didn't actually know that. That's a really terrible sure. explanation. No, no, I think that makes. I think
1: that's probably how most people, except for our good friend Matthew B. Lloyd, I think most yeah. people don't know. <laughs> I think so. For me, Josie and the Pussycats was just a Saturday morning cartoon. It was Hanna Barbera, so it, it had the same look as Scooby Doo mm-hmm. and um, well, Speed Buggy, and all of those ones that were the exact same formula. It's like all of the Hanna Barbera cartoons have the same formula. It's like these things happen, wacky hijinks. Let's move on. And then, of course, there was the Archie cartoon, which so the Archies are also a band, and that shows up in the comic. We're going to yes. so the Archies actually had a hit, right? Sugar, sugar was the Archies. So it was a song that was made for the Archie's oh, cartoons. Yes, and that's supposed yes. to be them, supposed to be the Archie's.
0: Oh, theme. do you know, I didn't realize it until you literally just said that. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah of course yeah. it
1: was, yeah. Yeah, and so Josie and the Pussycats though, I was always, the Josie and the Pussycats theme is bangs. It bang, bang, bangs, I love it. Way, <laughs> I mean, Sugar Sugar is a great song, don't get me yes. wrong, but that, there's something about that Josie and the Pussycats theme. And so I'm old. So in the 90s, there was a, there was a, uh, I had it on cassette. Um, it was called Saturday Morning. And they had like 90, 80s and 90s pop bands and punk bands, or whatever, redo um, theme songs, t- t- cartoon television theme songs. So Tanya Donnelly and uh, Ju- uh, Juliana Hatfield did the Josie and the Pussycats theme, which you'll be hearing on the way out of this. That's my favorite version of Josie and the Pussycats. And I just wore that tape out at that part. I mean, There's other great stuff, like, Speed Racer is, of course, one of my favorites, and Sponge does the Speed Racer theme yeah. song, and um, Reverend Horton Heat does um, Stop That Pigeon and the Johnny Quest theme song, which is amazing, yeah. and the remote yeah. Spider-Man. There's some great stuff, but to me, that Joseph and the Pussycats theme just bang, bang, bangs, and I, so I, I just have this weird thing for fictional bands, like I guess, <laughs> you know, like my favorite fictional band are the Wonders from that thing you do
0: oh nice that thing you do is a great film
1: isn't that great I love them yes and the, and the
0: music in that is amazing yeah.
1: yeah yeah and I love the monkeys I love the commitments there's so, like yeah Josie the Pussycats the Archies I have a thing for fictional bands I don't know why like there's real bands why don't I just like them
0: I was embarrassingly old when I realized that the commitments weren't a real band
1: it's cool right like,
0: Embarrassingly the old yeah. But I mean, I'm talking about like maybe like late 20s, early 30s. It's okay. But because they were
1: them, <laughs> that was them. They were everybody you see in the movie, that's them playing the music. So they Ooh, are yes, the commitment. Yeah. So it's not like with Josie. Yeah, the, true. It's not like, like yeah, yeah. With Josie in this, this isn't them playing. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately. You know, it's, not, <laughs> it's but it looks, they look good doing it. And when we talk about the movie, they look like they're playing. They're very good at, at, uh, you know, fake playing. I think that that's not an easy thing to do, but they, when we get to the movie, we'll talk about it. But I think they do a good job fake playing. Um, The commitments that was them real playing. So anyway, so that's us talking about fake bands and Josie and the Pussycats and how we know. (laughs) So so anyway, so it was made in 1963 as just part of the Archie group. And so what do you know about Archie in general? Like, do you know more about Josie and the Pussycats than you do with Archie? Like, because there's Sabrina and all the other Archie spinoffs. What do you know about them?
0: Yeah, so my main thing about Archie Comics was Sabrina, because I was obsessed with the TV show with Melissa Joan Hart over here. Um, so that was such a good show. So, yeah. It's just come out on somewhere, either like Amazon or Netflix, and I've added it to my watch list. So yes, I will be watching that. Um, and so that would be, that was like my first understanding of the whole universe. And then like I said, of so Archie comics. Sort. Of, I knew they. I knew they were a band, and I knew they it existed, and I knew that there was this wider world. But it was not something I was engaged in at all. You know, when we would get newspapers, um, and there'd be comics in it, I don't recall there being any Archie comics stuff in it. But yeah. there was other American comic strips in them. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just feel like I just missed that whole thing. So Josie. And, you know, especially because when I was a kid or or a teenager or and I was hearing about a comic strip that had women playing instruments in it. I was always going to be more interested in that. Sure. Yeah. But of course, but I do feel like, again, I know Archie and the Archies and the band because it's like Veronica and... This is my, my, my Betty. That's it. Yeah. Like, and I feel like I know those characters. Cause I, cause when we were reading it, I saw them and I was like, yes, I 100% know them, but I have no knowledge of them at all. Sure. And yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, and Jughead. I've course. always been yeah. like, what, what stupid names they all have.
1: Yeah. Reggie and Moose. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause when Matt and I did uh pop Comics, so the first time Anthony came on the show and this was kind of the inspiration for his show, he came on and I was like, after we were done, I'm like, Oh my God, you need to do. And then he guested on, superhero for dummies when they did um I don't remember who it was early on some bug character and of course I'm sorry guys it's it's eluding me but so between that then like I created a little private chat between Steve Steve and Matt and I and I was like Matt probably should do his own classic comics with Matthew B. Lloyd and and Steve's (laughs) like yes and so that's what the fly that was it the fly was the thing so that he that he was. so that kind of you know, it sprang from that. But the one thing, because when we did pep comics, we did enough of the superhero stuff, but we also made sure we did the first appearance of Archie. Mm. And what he said, and this is so true, and they never really gave it its due, but as I'm reading Josie and as I'm going back and reading different stuff, what Matthew says is so true is Archie Comics, Josie and the Pussycats, everybody, Sabrina, everything that's under the umbrella of Archie Comics, they're always the reflection of what's happening. Like Mm. if if you kind of want to know what's going on, Read Archie comics, right? So, like, there's be, like, what's happening with the kids? Somehow, Archie is a zeitgeist, and while it it's very kid friendly too, um you know, there's not you're not going to see a lot of side boob in an Archie comic. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not it's not going to be like a Vertigo where there's going to be so. I mean, there's gonna there's going to be some scantily clad ladies. Which yes, will very much so. But it's never it's never done in a way where it's like you know over the top, and so. It is always reflective of whatever is happening in the world. So as as technology advanced, their technology advanced. As yes. music advanced, their musical styles advanced. So it's always it's the, the reason you keep them not aging. They don't age at all. The Archies is, I mean, a little bit. They, you know, they're in their early twenties instead of their teens. But it's because you're trying to tap into something, and I think that's very clever. Ooh,
0: absolutely, yeah, and I really liked that about reading so we read the sort of like compendium wasn't it of yeah of, of, of it was of the best of Josie best of Josie that was yeah. it of like through the years and I really liked that there's something very so it's not like it was reimagined every decade or so but there's something that feels very that they've consciously made a decision to keep it within that decade you know yeah. and I don't know I don't know if that if that is actually true but you know, you, especially the way the book's laid out is really clever because they have some that are from different decades sort of littered through. And for me, it was making my brain click, like, okay, something's about to be coming up that's a bit more modern or it's a bit more reflective of the time uh, that they're about to show us. So I do think that it was a, it's, it's I understand that, that it's sort of like a touchstone for each decade on what was happening with the kids.
1: Yeah, no, with the kids, I totally agree. And I think it's one of those things where, it is it be whatever reason it gets it has a bad rep it's like lame and I I I think that Riverdale which I've never seen because we we and I were like let's watch that you know when it first came out we're like we'll watch we'll watch and we were because you know the ads were on during crazy ex-girlfriend which I you and I are both on record saying the best show of the last 20 years oh yes um also Adam Schlesinger, I will always mention, wrote the music for, for that. He wrote the music for Josie and the Pussycats. And he wrote the song, That Thing You Do. See how it all comes oh, together? Oh, I love that. Nice. Yeah. So, but anyway, he, um, so we would see the ads for Riverdale. And then we were like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. Like, I'm not interested in 30-year-olds playing teenagers. Like, and I get why it works. Because it is, again, even Riverdale is is a mirror of the time. This is mm. what... 20 somethings and you know late teen this is what high school juniors and seniors want to watch they want to watch a sexy shirtless Archie they don't they don't that's what they want so that's what they're getting you know this show would have been way too racy for the Archies 20 years ago and in 20 years people are going to look back on it and either think oh my god that was genius or oh my god I can't believe what crap that was but it is what even with that show it is super reflective of the time
0: yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I've not watched it, but you know, you know about it in the general chat uh, yeah. about what's going on culturally. So I would agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm not interested. I just didn't care. I'm not interested at yeah, all. It was, just, not, it was not for oh. me. And that's okay. And it doesn't, it didn't have to be for me. It wasn't for me.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I say this as I am nearly 40 and I love watching teen stuff. I love it. I am very much stuck in sort of like my young adult late teens early 20s and I will read any like YA novel and I will love it and I know it's not for me but I still enjoy it because I believe that there are many more interesting themes in young adult stuff than there are in adult stuff um but yeah it's just not it's just not for me right it was and it wasn't that it wasn't that a show like that
1: isn't isn't something that you know I don't but obviously I don't even know because I love 902 and 0 and and but I didn't like Melrose Place and I feel like that's Mm. That's what this Riverdale is the Mel- is Melrose Place, but with a with the nine hundred two one zero sensibility. Like we're setting it in high school, but it's super adulty, you know. Yes. And I was just like, nah, I, I just didn't. And it's fine. I'm glad. I'm glad kids love it. I'm glad it's keeping the brand alive. Um, I anything that's going to keep people paying attention to the stuff is is cool. Um, and it is reflective again of what Matt said from the beginning: is that Archie evolves better, probably than anything. It'll be. I, I think it's a great anthropological tool, and I, I, I mean, honestly, like if you're b- building a time capsule, uh-huh. I would say putting this Josie and the Pussycats, the best of its 400 pages, it starts in like from a 1967 issue all the way up to the new version with the new version of Josie and the Pussycats from the Archies or from Riverdale are in this compendium that we read, if you put that in there that would really help future generations understand everything don't you think (laughs)
0: like absolutely absolutely and that's one of the weirdest things about it when I was reading it and I first started reading I was like this comic's so weird like not in a not in a bad way but I was just like it's just so strange like the the difficulties that they face and things like that are so minor and not important. I mean, obviously important if you're a teen and you're reading it. So I get it, but you, but you know, like in the overall grand scheme of things, this isn't to say that there weren't like worldwide troubles in the sixties and stuff like that. But obviously as I was going along and reading it, I could identify more and more with it. And, you know, then you read the latest version and you're reading the, so it was, came out in 2016. Didn't yeah. It? The, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, been reading that and I was like I totally get all the issues that these three women are talking about 100 yeah I'm like I'm on board with all of these issues and that you know Josie's a bit selfish but she's trying to figure herself out and all of this stuff and and Val doesn't know what she wants to all of these things it's like get it 101% I'm like I'm on board with it but when I was reading the older ones I was just like this is just it's not that I didn't like it or that it was boring or anything like that it just felt so alien it just felt so weird it felt wacky like it felt you know to go back to wacky races you know yeah. it felt just like races, really sure. i love wacky races so much um it, it just it's just all a bit offbeat yeah. and i don't know if it was offbeat at the time but it feels that so much now yeah when i don't know
1: I, and that's the thing is because they're a a band of women and so they are, while they're part of the you know, cultural zeitgeist as, as people reading the comics, they're different. They're, and they, this is the coolest. So the Archies are pretty white. And then Joseph and the Pussycats come along and Val is there, Valerie Brown, which again, Valerie Brown, not thrilled with her last name. No. However, <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad as what, you know, Token Black and stuff. Yeah. Park, but it's like... <laughs> But it is still super smart Um, and so cutting edge to be like, yep, here's our, here's our bass player slash songwriter slash everybody's in love with Valerie or with, with, uh, with, yeah, with Val. And, um, you know, and even later, as we learned, she and Archie get married in Canada, which is bananas. So it's like so cool, Um, you know, so, so it is, it is, like you said, it's wacky to look back but at the time it probably also was wacky in a different way because it's like oh my god cutting edge there's a yeah. there's a there's a woman of color who's got a prominent role in this comic book she is she is loved above the rich white girl right she replaces yep. the rich white girl in the band and all the boys are in love with her and at no point are they like isn't it weird that Val's brown even though that's yeah, it's name. Not, it's not, not addressed an, at, at not addressed. all
0: and I think that's great and and I mean I'll say it now, she's my favorite character and isn't she's my she, favorite, of she she's is. amazing. Yeah, and the more you read it, you're just more like, she's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, and I love that it's not addressed at all. She's just there and she's just part of the group and there's mm-hmm. no, I mean, I don't, you know maybe there should have been discussion about race or, or stuff like that, but or stuff like that. But um, I like that there isn't.
1: Yeah. And I actually think it's more of, it's, it's a better commentary because yes. stuff that is commented upon is the sexism. As, yes, and and the girl on girl violence, as it were, um, oh that's that's that is definitely addressed because you know th- I've always said in America. Now you guys have had two female prime ministers. Say what you will about both of them. I know you're not a fan <laughs> of one of them, um, but you guys have done it, right? Yeah, we still haven't. And I, my argument always has been, and this is, I'm going to be you know keep in mind. I have a degree in feminist theory, so I've done my research. However, and it's it stems from that, is that girl-on-girl violence, as it were, is the reason that it's harder for a woman in America to get elected because there is a cultural um, pressure of women to dislike other women.
0: Absolutely. It's, oh, my God. Oh, welcome to Rear's rant about the patriarchy. Go. So, <laughs> but this is why the patriarchy keeps on winning because... They, it, it forces issues to split women apart to make us fight with each other so that we can't fight the patriarchy and you see it in everything you see it from cosmetic things so you know the newest hairstyle like who has it who doesn't and then you start getting intersectionality within that because you know white people black people brown people can't have the same sort of hairstyles so then we all start having discussions about that and about how people are oppressed and and instead of working together and then you start getting it in terms of you know there can only be one woman who breaks the glass ceiling right it's not all of us doing it together and Margaret Thatcher did that talking about terrible female prime ministers you know she didn't raise other women up because she knew it would make her position precarious Mm -hmm. so she didn't she made sure she was the top woman in power and said all the other women need to stay in their homes and, and work for their husbands because otherwise Another woman could come in and be prime minister and it wouldn't be her. You know, the patriarchy constantly splits us to fight about these things. We see it as soon as you have a child between breastfeeding and, and formula feeding. Right. Instead of going, oh, my God, you've just had a baby and all of this is really difficult. They set up these arguments. Breast is best. or oh, you shouldn't formula feed. So we all just fight in between ourselves rather than going, "All of this is bullshit. Maybe we should all just be supporting each other. And then we could fuck them all. Not in the good way. And we could just like have equality. That wasn't my, thank you, but it wasn't my most well-thought-out rant. Oh, no, it was paper, good. Because well, I didn't know it was happening, but it came out as it is.
1: Well, but it's important because it's a, dre- that's the thing that I love about this this book and reading this. And again, I've I'm not, I'm not not read all of Josie and the Pussycats. I've read this. I've read some other stuff here and there. Obviously, I watched the comics. I've seen the movie. You know, I know enough to get myself in trouble. What I, but what I do love is that that is where they chose to send the focus. Ooh. They're like, we're not going to focus on Valerie being brown, a person of color. I mean, Valerie Brown, I keep saying that because that's her last name. And I thought <laughs> that's annoying. They're not going to focus on Valerie being a person of color. The The issue is going to be the Cabots. There's a classism conversation and yeah. the girl-on-girl violence because Alexandra is a monster. And she is that representation of everything you said she's the the she's the thatcher of the group right she's yeah. the one who i'm the girl in power she was originally in the pussycats she wanted it to be her whole it wanted it to be her name and only her thing and when that didn't happen when they decided it was going to be more of the democracy she leaves and she spends the whole time trying to tear them down because of jealousness and and it's and again, without them saying, boy, Alexandra is kind of being a witch. They literally make her a witch for a yes, while. So, I what do you? And that drops off as time goes on. But I mean, and again, so in 1969 or 67, you couldn't say that. You couldn't even say Alexandra is being a witch because they know the, that that bitch. So you had to say witch. So they literally made her a witch because in canon, there's a witch. Sabrina exists in canon. So witchcraft exists inside of the Archiedome. So it's not like it's unheard of for there to be the magical side of the Archie world, but what did you make to me? That is the most obvious comment, and because she's bad, and we see the Pussycats constantly band together to fight her, and her even her brother Alexander, who's you know, we'll talk about the way everybody falls all over Josie and whatever, and we'll get to that. But even he is—is is he is he love struck or is he an ally? And does do you think he grows? What do you make of their relationship and what that commentary is on your whole patriarchy rant? <laughs> Which I like, by the way.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh I, I'll work on it and make it more succinct and you know powerful next time. Um it, the so the girl the girl women on women violence is just it, like it's so interesting I was reading it and it was not where I expected it to go at all and I say it's bearing in mind like I've watched the film and I know that's the whole thing in the film but I think it's a lot less um in your face in the film and then yeah they like, even make the her.
1: joke in the film yeah. when they're Alexander why are you here because she says because I'm in the comics so I'm in the comics yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> and then and then she's like doing literal witchy powers but for a, a while then, yeah for like quite a significant amount of time and but there's something I didn't like about so I don't I don't like the girl-on-girl violence stuff I, I just and I don't think it's handled particularly well in the comic and you know that might be looking at it from 2021 but I'm just like I just don't I was about to say it doesn't feel believable but also in school I remember many things like that happening so that's not true I'm probably being a bit too lefty liberal when I say that's not believable because it probably because it is it is like sure. because teenage girls do terrible things to each other all the time um but yeah and then and then it's sort of like this randomness of giving her witchy powers but I didn't like it because I was like bad witch doesn't equal bad so this is like my little feminist soapbox that I was getting yeah. on when reading it. I was just like, it makes, to me, it makes no sense that she's the bad character and has witchy powers and is using it against the, the good guys and the good guys don't have any powers. And it's just sort of like, Oh, this weird kooky thing's happening over here. That must've been, it must've been Alex or Alexandra, sorry. Um, cause they're both called the same. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and I just and, and then it's none of it's resolved and then it's just dropped and it's so strange. And I can't I can't figure out if it's a conscious commentary on bad, witch bad or if it's just like a kooky device to have a bit of witchcraft in there to have some shenanigans and make it a bit fun.
1: Well, that's the thing about art is that and as in this show where it's a deep dive show, you get to take out your frame. Whatever, whatever frame you want. I mean, that's you know, when I used to teach literary theory, that's the way you do it. Is you're like, today is this. We're gonna place this frame over it. So, you know, we're gonna apply queer theory to this thing. So, if you were to say, we're gonna read and the Pussycats, and we're gonna only read it through the frame of queer theory, it's a different book, right? Than if you were applying feminist theory to it. So, you are allowed to say. Or everything read a response we're doing all kinds but i mean through that lens you're allowed to say the art exists it's it was made before either of us were born that the witchcraft stuff dropped in the mid-70s so i was born in 73 so Ooh. you know that goes away pretty quick so maybe but you know this comic started in 63 so maybe it's about 10 years of alexandra being a witch and that goes away and again you know matthew will tell us why maybe he knows exactly why they <laughs> dropped it but it is. I believe it wasn't. It could. I believe it was made duplicitously. It was made for wackiness. But mm. I believe there was a commentary there, saying, "This is a thing that happens, which equals bad." Um, she's even got the white stripe. Yes, the white. Hair. Yeah. You know, they went out of their way to like signal there that she's bad and that Alexander, her brother, you know, he's her foil in many ways, and then that's the thing. Is he her foil because you know, he's in love with Josie? Is he her foil because he hates her? Is he her foil because he's a dumbass? You know, like, where does he, that's the only weakness in the feminist theory link. But it's like, but the argument could be then when Alan M comes in, who is a true ally, you also are, are showing the juxtaposition of what that means through the feminist theory lens. That you get to apply it to whatever you want. It doesn't, once art's out in the world, the, the, that's the beautiful thing about theory is that once it exists the, what the what the intent was is now up to the mm, is mm. up to the reader i believe archie book comics have always been a social commentary based on what i've read so i'm also more inclined to say i think DiCarlo carlo knew what he was doing but i could be wrong mm,
0: mm. and it's so interesting isn't it that you know josie is especially in the early early comics is Centered as like this, such a good girl, Mm -hmm. such a good girl, you know. And she's, you know, obviously she's she's white and freckles and a little turned up nose. Um, And apart from when she's performing, she's not too scantily dressed, you know. She's not materialistic, any of these sort of things. But she's not fully rounded at all. No, and that's why I think Fowl is a much more interesting character because she's not centered as the good girl as sort of like the, the shining white woman at the, at the front of the band. And that's where you, and you start getting like, as, as it progresses, you get really interesting things coming out of Val, even for Melody, actually like Mel, you know, uh, towards the, towards the end, well, it's not the end, it's, it's still going, but. Um, for 2016. Movie, reads yes. It. Yeah. You know, she owns her beauty and that men love her a lot more. You know mm-hmm. in the in the early ones she's, she's just there with her little sing song voice and you know and she's, dumb. And she's the and dumb and she's the Disney princess and and all of these so, you know all the animals flock around her oh little birdies all of those sort of things and men fall at her feet and then you start to get to the later ones and you know she's organizing dates she's she's like basically got you know a planner for all of her dates and she's having fun meeting all these men and I also totally believe she is Definitely bisexual, because let's be honest, she she's going to be going having a good time with anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: If you you do the queer theory over the top of this, it's all on Mel, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. And she'd be absolutely bloody loving it as well. She would not be, you know, she'd be owning it 100%. And yes, just in the earlier editions, Josie's just so boring. And it's so interesting that it's called Josie and the Pussycats. When she's the least interesting character, you know. Even you know, Alexandra, I I don't like where they go with her with her witchy powers. She's still more interesting than Josie, even if all of her motivations are weird and don't make any sense. I'd much rather see her ridiculous shenanigans than Josie just walking around being like, "Oh, I just happen to be really good at singing the guitar, and everybody falls at my feet."
1: Yeah, well, and I think I think they get out of that in a hurry. And it, I, it, it is it's I, I believe. Again, this is part of you know the the time of when it was created. The commentary about they don't address the fact that that Val is a woman of color. That's that's and I do, and I'm gonna. I know you've been interchanging the words as have I. When the book starts, they are girls. They're teenagers, yes. and the, the, as they age them up just enough, they are all women. They are the new the new iteration of them. They're college aged women who, who live on their own and drink. And and as they as they've gone through time and they've gone out onto the world, they realize they can't be in high school and also be Josie and the Pussycat. So they yeah. so they quickly move from being teenagers to being young women. But that early, those early ones, they were still clearly like at Riverdale High. And and then they were like, we got it. This can't. This, this is untenable because even though it's fiction at some point in time, you are like, we can't take a seven month tour while we're in high school. So they just yeah. get them into college in a hurry, which I think was also smart is because I think they're more interesting as young single women than they are as um, as children under their parents. And you don't really see their parents. But I think, I think in general, new adult is the phrase, is the terms now. I yes, think that's a more yeah. interesting story. And I think kids are more 17 year olds and 15 year olds or even are more interested in the how will I live how will I take care of myself when I'm 19 or 22 or whatever when I have a career whether I'm a rock star or a barista which we've seen that which we see Josie do them all yeah. do all those things um and so I think and and then the juxtaposition of the Cabots because they still live with their dad you know yeah. and so like there are these rich kids and so it's like who's the cooler people? The r- filthy rich people who get who live with their dad or this cool rock star band who kind of live in a dirty apartment with rats. Well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I guess you know, I'd see it. who's the star. It's not called Alexander and Alexandra Cabot. <laughs> it's called. <culture. laughs> yeah. No, I think I think that is interesting though, um, what you say about about them. But I guess we have we just kind of again, we're just dancing around. I've got I've got a few other specific questions, but But you did mention that Josie is kind of boring. Um, What do you, why is that? Do you think she's boring because because they just needed her to be like the female Archie? Because Archie at first is the least interesting of the Archie Mm. gang too. Is it like, you know, Fred is the least interesting of the Scooby gang. Is there something Mm. about being the leader that makes you need to be boring and white?
0: So for Josie, I think it's for for when it launched girls to project themselves onto her right because she's just cute Mm. enough right she's not she's not male she's not stunningly beautiful she's not different she's not a woman of color she's just sort of you want you can you want to be her but she's not unattainable so Uh, you know it's a realistic realistic life goals yeah because like you know every girl thinks that they're cute you know hopefully
2: you yeah. should all think you that should all
0: think you're yeah. all absolutely adorable so you should all think that you're cute and you should yeah. all think that you can be a Josie right so it, I think it just allows that it oh. allows you to be like I could be her so I can connect with her and I think one of the things that they do really well as you can tell they bring on writers from different backgrounds bring more female writers you can tell that they start changing that in her character. She's not the every woman. She is her own person, and she's often the foil for herself rather than somebody being the foil against her. Um, and I think that's really smart because it doesn't take away from the, any of the other characters. It doesn't take away from the rest of the band members, but it makes it more of an interesting story, and it makes it it gives it more longevity. So I had a lot more fun reading the the 2016 onwards because it it felt like a really strong through storyline because all the characters were discovering who they are apart from Mel (laughs) Blesser he's hilarious in in, you know that I was absolutely just cracking up Um, and and I think that works a lot better and I think it gives the the, that gives the character the the stories themselves much more longevity rather than sort of like the the kooky sort of one off stories that they were doing in a lot of the earlier editions.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's I think that's valid. Um, I, I I think the horror ones are a little. <laughs> I mean they're just Scooby Doo. Yeah, they are just... totally Scooby Doo, and and it and it was obviously it was a reaction to that because those are happening. While they go at while the Hanna-Barbera show is on. So it's just like everybody can pretend that that the movies don't wag the dog, but we know that they do. There's a Harley Quinn did not look like Margot Robbie before, but now she does, (laughs) even in the comic. She's got her her hair. When you go back to the, you know, the Paul Denny's version of her and who she is now are not remote. They're not even even remotely the same. Other than she's still, you know, Dr. Quinsnell, there's nothing else that's the same. That's the same about her, and and that is just what happens. The 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 movie wags the the media wags the dog. It's just the way that it is. Um, after they cast, um, you know, in the in the show, the flash show, you know, they made Iris and Joe people of color, and so then there was Wally West, Kid Flash. As a person of color on the show, well, suddenly now we're going to have a nephew because that's, that's how nephews work. You can have a nephew who's a different race than you. The end. It was that easy to bring in a new kid, what Kid Flash, who matches the show. And I think that that's smart. That's what people are picking up the comics to see what they think they're seeing. And it's going to be slightly different, of course. Um, so there's just a way to do it. And I think that is obviously what happened with those horror comics is it was like, well, we're, we've got our show, they're doing wacky adventures. We better give them wacky adventures in the comics. That's why kids are picking up the comics. They're bad.
0: They're so bad. They're so, and they're so, it's such a strange thing, especially when you're reading it in, in sort of this this best of, and you're, you're getting all the character, character progression, you're getting story progression. You start to feel that they're doing slightly more interesting things or even having a bit more fun. And then you just get this smack bang, almost in the middle. These horror, this these, like the writing's so poor. It's so, it is like Scooby-Doo went, oh, we're not using these scripts. And they went and picked them out of the dumpster and went, oh, well, we'll just reuse them. And people will, yeah, Yeah. and people read it because it's Josie. And it's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful to, to Josie and everybody who was doing it beforehand. and I just like I was like what and I I can't tell if it's included in the book for a bit of fun or or to point out that like this is terrible we're gonna put it in and just be like we we acknowledge that there was this really terrible thing that we did which was these terrible horror scooby-doo rip-off stories
1: I don't have a good answer for that either I don't know (laughs) But it's kind of like, because it is the best of, and there's two volumes of Best of Josie. So We read volume one. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely going to read volume two because I had a blast. I had a, so much fun. Um, and, and so I can't tell because it's kind of like you don't put Revolution 9 on the Beatles' Greatest Hits, <laughs> right? You don't put that on there. That's not making it, right? Number nine, number nine. That's not going to be on there. Although that song has its merit. Sonically, there's something fun about that song, but it's not on the Greatest Hits. So so I can't tell either if it was, but I, you know, again, it's our show. We can talk about whatever we want. So I, I like the idea of them like raising their hand and acknowledging this was bad. This was a part, but it's but it's also true. We don't want to whitewash it. It's like the argument about when you republish Huck Finn, do you change the language? My argument is you do not change the language. You if you want to put an introductory note saying this is when it was published and this is how things were said and this is the language that was used. But this is the way it was used and the reason we need to preserve the language is so that you are offended, so that you know better, right? That's, you know, and you have to have the conversation about is Huck a racist because he uses this language. You could argue Huck isn't a racist. He's just an ignorant, ignorant, dumb child who doesn't, who's literally a product of his time. He loves Jim. There's no doubt that he loves Jim, but he also says these horrible words about him. So, you know, so I feel like, I feel like it's kind of, you got to show your warts.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: You know, like, I love Duran Duran. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, some of their real, There's, they've got a couple of stinkers. They've got a couple of, but I have them. I own the albums. Red Carpet Massacre is a terrible album. It is a massacre of an album. There's no doubt. But I own it. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. It's like when people are like, oh, these other movies, I'm just going to skip this. No, no, it exists. You have to acknowledge it's there. So I feel like they're just showing they're ugly.
0: That's all. You had a bad yeah. haircut too. Yeah, many. Right? Many, let's not talk about it. But Those photos you, don't exist. But they do, see. <laughs> so I feel like you could go either way. But and I'm you like, Facebook.
1: See, <laughs> so just don't be on Facebook like me. No? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think I, I could go either way. Um, but you know, these were they probably did well. People bought them. I bet you, yeah, you know, sometimes the thing that sucks does really well. Like the best album, the best. Season the best, whatever the one that like critically is the best, isn't always the most popular.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. And you know what? Maybe you know it got then people reading Josie. It got girls and women reading it and going, "Okay, this is awesome." Yeah, you know, it it's not good. It's not good at all. But it's encouraging more people to read it or or engage with it, or hey, try and seek out some fun horror. You know, I'm going to be up for that. So.
1: Well, I mean, as, as a horror, horror fan movie. so for you to acknowledge that it's bad it must be so bad you awful. like
0: bad horror too oh yeah so yeah bad. i because i was quite excited because they had the little intro page and i was like oh brilliant this is going to be sort of like because right. i used to love scooby-doo so i was like i am up for this because i'm you know save yeah. universe scooby-doo brilliant and when i read the first one i was basically just like what is this shit like what have I just read and <laughs> then I was like and then I was like four more of them I was just like oh my god and I was like I have to read them because otherwise I can't talk about it properly because I you know I don't I think you have to be able to consume something to be able to be mean about it sure um <laughs>
1: otherwise no I agree I agree I'm yeah I mean we've had those conversations in our discord in our CIM yeah. family discord it's like do you can you just say like you can say I'm not interested and I don't want to watch yeah. it can't, that's different than being critical of it without watching it, and we have different members of the fam feel different ways. And you're entitled; everybody's entitled to feel how you want. I'm with you. I'm kind of on the boat. If it's like, I'm just not interested in that, so I'm not going to comment on it. I'm not going to watch it either, and I'm not going to say it's crappy because I don't know. It just isn't yeah. interesting to me, so I'm just not going to watch it. Um, you know. So that's different than talking shit about it without having seen it. And but you know, but that could be. But people can also go, no, I'm entitled to talk shit about it without having seen it, because I've seen enough. <laughs> like, I read one of them. I watched the trailer. I read about yeah. it. It's not interesting to me, I think, for X, Y, Z reasons. Because it's kind of like when people, are, when people say, listen, watch this. Like, Mike will tell you, our good friend Mike Burton will say, don't watch season one of Rebels. Right, is or is it Star No, what's the Star Wars cartoon? Not Rebels. So
0: yeah, so there's Rebels and then there's Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Yeah.
1: So he'll tell you don't watch the Clone Wars movie and don't watch he'll tell you like watch only three three episodes because he's not one of those people who's like you got to watch 17 terrible episodes before it gets good. He's like, don't
0: watch the 17 <laughs> He's like, they are shit. Just do not waste your time.
1: Right. You know, because but different people will tell you different things because it's like what you're saying. But if you don't watch it all, you can't comment on it. Well, he's like, no, no, I'll just tell you, don't waste your time because you're not missing <laughs> it. So it's just, it's opposing arguments. I hear what you're saying. Luckily, none of the the cool thing about the Jersey and the Pussycats, these old ones, not the newer ones, which are full 32 page comics. Mm. Back then they were, part of a digest so therefore we don't each story would maybe only be six or seven pages so it it wasn't like you were like I gotta get through. so it was like you read one full terrible Josie horror comic but you didn't have to read you know a hundred pages of that
0: I won't be seeking any more out I will not be doing that you you read volume two you'll
1: just skip right over (laughs)
0: it yeah let's talk about
1: Mel for a second and then we'll and and then I'd like to get into some I took some pictures, um, I took some screenshots, and I have just got a couple of images I'd like to talk to you about. Um, obviously we need to talk about their um, outfits. Yep. And, uh, and all of that. So let's talk, we talked about why we, we both love Val, cause she's the most complicated, complex, smart, amazing. Everybody wants to be her. And again, when we talk, it, when we talk about the movie soon, great casting. You can't take your eyes off anything Rosario Dawson does, but like you almost forget other people are in the movie.
0: Yeah, she, but but that happens with anything she's in, really. It it? is, I know. (laughs) I mean, the other two didn't stand a chance. They, you know, you kind of feel
1: bad for it, but I think it was inspired (laughs) casting because. Val is awesome Val they don't the other two don't stand a chance either and that's also part of what bugs Alexandra so much is they don't just replace her they replace her with the coolest woman in the world
0: yeah yeah everybody's like
1: and everybody and so as we acknowledge Archie marries Val that's how awesome Val is she and Archie get married so I feel like their kids would be ugly I'm just putting that out (laughs) I mean would they why do you think that I just don't think Archie's a handsome devil.
0: I mean, he's not handsome at all. How he manages to pull Val is beyond me. As
1: he is definitely uh, punching above his weight.
0: I mean, you know, and I don't like to say that because I like, you know, don't yuck on other people's yum. We all like different things yeah. and that makes us all wonderful and human. But there's no way, no way. You know, and and from what I can tell, he seems lovely. He seems it very- does. I lovely. think that's what, but you know what? It's kind of, it, it,
1: it is also the comment on- what happens in every romantic comedy in the history of ever. So like, and I actually, I'm going to um, lean heavily on something Janine Garofalo said, who again, a feminist icon, if ever ever, when you start your new show, you wanted to dig into some old Janine Garofalo stuff, I'd be be Uh, keen. Truth
0: About Cats and Dogs is an epic film.
1: She's Cyrano Divergeac, right? I mean, what a great, what a great retelling of that. Um, But so she had said out loud about that movie, about the, the, the pain that she went through to lose weight for that movie. So she could still be the air quote fat one standing next to Uma Thurman. <sighs> what she said was, and this, is, and this has stuck with me forever and I'm going to um, obviously paraphrase. John Goodman, and this was at the time, and Kurt Russell can both be the leading man. Mm-hmm. But only Audrey Hepburn can be the leading woman in a romantic comedy. Yeah. And she, So the whole point of Truths About Cats and Dogs was, it's okay, like she's the non-traditional beauty because it's a retelling of Cirano. But it's like, is she really that non-traditional? No, I mean, it's she's not at just all. a woman. I mean, what are you talking like, about? You know, I mean, if Ben Chaplin was great, what a great, what a—that's an excellent film. But the thing is, it's like that was what they play her up as—is like she's yeah. the dog in that movie, and you're like, what
0: the fuck? Dan? Like, as if you would see her and have a chat with her and be like, oh, you're so you're so disturbed. You'd yeah. be like, when are we going to bed? Right. Can, we, can we just move this along right let's move along yes but it's so but so it's
1: interesting to me so is the comment that Archie can get Val is that is that the, that's always the romantic comedy way is that the, the lead in the romantic comedy can be John Goodman can get Holly Hunter that happens in a movie
0: <laughs> I mean but we see that over and over again don't we there's always generic men who get the super hot lady
1: always punching Uh, above their weight yeah always Always. so Archie is so I don't know that's all I'm saying I mean
0: but but then I mean yes I do think that there is some of that but I also think I, I wouldn't say when I I read it I was surprised because obviously it's normal for people to marry different people it's fine um but I think it was taking Arch, you know, Archie Archie comics that's, that is very white, that is very white and straight-laced and seeing the main character from Archie and then, I mean, I know she's not supposed to be the main character, but she is, who is, who is black, who is a woman of colour and seeing them be in a relationship and get married and then not be a fuss about it is pretty amazing it is amazing and I was like and you know and it's clearly a very conscious decision to say that they're that you know love knows no bounds and that's great and I think it's really good that they made that conscious decision whether it's virtue signaling or whatever I don't care I think it's important that we see these things in our media and our art and I think they actually handle it really well because he is throughout 100% supportive of Val yeah absolutely he's like go on tour yeah Yeah, absolutely go on tour and you're knackered let's so let's have a break let's do this what do you need I'll go and do this and I think it it's that dynamic for me that was more shocking than the race dynamic yeah that we're seeing in a mainstream comic that we know most Americans read and know about that there is a man what some people would say is being subordinate to a woman. I mean, actually, he's just being a decent human being, and being, being supportive of the person he loves. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but you know, there are there's a large section of society men who would be like, "Oh gosh, no, you'd never do that." Oh, you're under her thumb yeah. and stuff like that. And it, none of that is said. It's not played for any of that. He's just a genuine guy who loves this person and wants to support them and wants to be with them in any way that he can. And I found that more unusual.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's valid. I think, and I thought it was great. And then they, right after that, then they rebooted the arts of universe and then the, the two 2016 one where they kind of reconnect, like they don't know each other and they're adults Ooh. and well, Mel and, and it goes back to the original where they don't, they need a third. They, and so Josie and, and Mel are roommates and they need a third and they meet Val all over again. And Val's
0: a vet. Right. Yes, In that yes. one. So I'm like, okay, so what can't you do Val. Why are yeah, you? Yeah, I know she's such a show off, isn't she? And she's a vet, and she's a good vet. And then, and then, like, I'll come and play with us. And it's yeah. not that she can just play guitar; it's that she's got the most beautiful voice that anybody in the world. Heard. Yeah. And then, and then, she's really good at delivering monologues and giving advice. And I was just like, why? Why? Yeah. This isn't fair. I can't live up to this.
1: No, nobody can live up to being her. But that's why she's <laughs> such an icon because she's <laughs> yep. she's aspirational. And again, the aspirational, best, smartest, most Ooh. beautiful, most un. You know, air quote unattainable character is Valerie, and again, it's 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 very smart. Whether and like you said, whether it's virtue signaling or not, it's intentional. It's intentional that yeah. you've made this this strong, amazing. And you know, it's too bad. Like there wasn't a lot. Like I I think back in time, and I was like, man, what we need is a time machine so we can go back to like 1969 and make Josie and the Pussycats and make Pam Greer as Valerie Brown. Oh
0: my God, yes. I mean, the end. yes, I know. <laughs> I think we should just stop talking now. I <laughs> think we've done it. Right there. Boom. We get working on that time machine. I mean, come on.
1: That If you had a time machine, that's what you'd yeah, use you it would, for. would, not you? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> because, and if people, listen, people, you guys know what Pam Greer is now. And she's mm. still amazing now. But if you go back and look at Pam Greer and you think, oh my God, Pam Greer was valid. Like, I almost, I'd like, it'd be hard pressed to not think of Dan Carlo as like, hmm.
2: <laughs> you know who?
1: <laughs> You know, I'm gonna base' just gonna base this on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm just saying yeah. yeah, because she's amazing. But anyway, let's talk about Mel for a second and how dumb she is. Um, <laughs> and, and how you feel about that. Like everybody has a dumb friend and she's lovable, but she's like, and of course she's blonde. And so yeah ugh, that, that is cringy and and it's it's my problem with it in the early on episode or er, issues is Josie and Val make fun of her to her face about being dumb. Yeah. They did not care for that at all. And then later, then they just like, they protect her and her dumbness. And then, like you said, then it's like, like you mentioned in those ones in the eighties and nineties and the two thousands where she's, it's a different kind of dumb. She's more spacey than just stupid where early on, she's just like, I don't know how she can get out of bed.
0: Oh, it's horrible. Like what, why are they friends with her when what, when they're just clearly look down on her and they're mean to her. I, like, I just, I don't understand the decision. I don't, I'm presuming it's meant to be funny and it just isn't. And look, humor changes, sure. But I can't even imagine back then that it was fun. I mean, actually, that's not true. I can because humans are horrible and laughing at a blonde woman for being dumb is actually something. That... It was
1: I mean, most of Marilyn's career.
0: Yeah, right exactly I started saying I was like no that's not right and I was like yeah we all did that yeah yes. um <laughs> so that's just really depressing yeah and I, I just don't like it and I don't think it brings anything to the comic to the story I think it's handled a lot better later on I think it takes a long time to get there I think they try to sort of sort of in sort of like the 80s they try to soften it a bit with being like, but she's really kind and caring and a lovely and supportive friend and all of these sort of things I'm like yeah she is those things she was always those things yeah exactly and nobody is that dumb and that's what I don't like and I think that's why it's handled better because you because I've got one of my best friends in the whole entire world she's actually incredibly smart but it's so spacey at the same time. Like I literally don't know how she hasn't been hit by a car or something like that. Cause like, I swear to God, she doesn't look when she crosses the road, not because, you know, of of a death wish or anything, but just because her mind is always somewhere else, but she's also incredibly clever and caring and bloody hilarious and, and all of these sort of things like that rings. So it rings much truer to me how they, how they handle it a lot later on.
1: I agree. I didn't like it at all. And I feel like, and again, it, it, it's not smart enough. So like Seven Year Itch is my favorite Marilyn movie because she's, she's in on the joke in that one. Yeah. Like I, if you've not seen Seven Year Itch, everybody stop listening, I mean, go, watch, go watch Seven Year Because she's playing a version of herself in that that is self-aware of who she is. And so she's teasing this guy and it's so smart. I think it's, it's her most meta thing she's ever done. And- of course, people saw it and just are like, oh, she's just playing herself again. But she was literally playing herself. I mean, you know, Norma Jean is, was not a dumbass. She created Marilyn Monroe. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a fictional character that she's playing. And so that's why Seven Year Itch is so great because she's like, ha-ha, look, I, everybody thinks I can't act, watch me do this. But unfortunately, everybody just saw her doing the same thing. <laughs> to me, it's her best performance, I think. And I, so, so that's why I think it becomes later is melody is the is is the seven-year itch marilyn but at the beginning she's the caricature of marilyn and i just didn't i didn't she doesn't look like marilyn she's not drawn like marilyn um it's not like tinkerbell from the you know peter pan where they literally based her on marilyn this is but her personality is is the dumb blonde because she's not curvy at all you know she's not built like marilyn is she's still you know she's Very, which is weird because she's a drummer. I'm like, where's her shoulders?
0: Yeah, she should she be be jacked. So (laughs) buff. Yeah, yeah. They don't. She's
1: very, she's, she's definitely, I mean, there are slender drummers. I'm not pretending they're not. I mean, look at Mick Fleetwood. (laughs) You can be seven foot tall and weigh eight pounds and be a a rock god, but for the most part, drummers have some tone and they haven't haven't given, they haven't given melody. Well, okay. So, anyway, so that's the melody stuff. So, I took some screenshots. I would like so uh, yes, as we're so. going through the comments, or through the through the or through the years as we're commenting on the different years, there's their their suits stay remarkably similar.
3: Yeah,
1: and so this is there's there's one scene where this, the Pussy Cats are walking down the street in their full costumes, and uh, as they walk past these two guys, they turn and wolf whistle at them. Yeah, and there's like a shot. Of the of the pussycats behind of their yeah. tails, as we'll say. And then it says a whistle, says Val. And, and Josie says, how utterly prehistoric. And then even Mel gets in and says, what do you expect from some Stone Age commandos? So they totally put him down. But yet throughout this time, there's a lot of heart eyes and kisses and staring at their asses. And it's so weird because they're empowering them to wear those costumes in like a really powerful, this is my body, like Joan Jett coming out when she would just put like duct tape over her nipples and play way. I, yes, I just compared Joseph Nipples Jess to Joan Jett. Sorry, <laughs> that's happened. But it's like, it's both things. And it's, and so as a woman, I'm just curious what you make that scene. I was like, holy shit, it's like so gross, but also then so awesome at the same time feel free this the, the floor really, is yours
0: <laughs> it's really hard because the outfits are iconic because they're you know and they're iconic for a reason you you immediately know somebody who's just as jo- dressed as Josie and the pussycats unless it's halloween and a woman just wants to be a slutty cat which is a weird halloween costume choice which is also um, a thing yeah funny whatever yeah. equals halloween yeah, yeah it's right so strange um but i mean when you read it and they're just constantly, and it's the framing of it, isn't it? It is, you know, so it's, it's fine, especially in that panel that you're talking about, that they're saying, oh, these men are disgusting, but there doesn't need to be the shot of their butts and their tails and the low-cut costume at the back. And it's, and it's hard because it's written by a man and it's positioned as if they, they're choosing to wear these outfits mm-hmm. and they're empowered by wearing these outfits, but none of the shots in of them in those outfits or none of the, or any of the way that the men react around them in those outfits make me think that because they're still just objects. They're still just objects to everybody who's watching them within the comic and everybody who's reading the comic. And at no point do I feel like they go, I'm empowered by this costume. Not um, at first. Okay. No, yes. Much later on and much later on the way they dress rings a lot truer to me. Um, in, in terms of just you know how women dress in general and and you know although they are put on a beach a lot which i find interesting it's very and where strange. is riverdale is it yeah. Super yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like i'm not sure they need to be in bikinis so much and interesting that they all look amazing in their bikinis as well um they are always yeah.
1: fit I mean, i've never like, i don't know how that works i guess being a rock star makes you super fit
0: I guess so, because there's never been.
1: They look like they could be just suddenly become pro beach volleyball players. Right.
0: I I know. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. (laughs) You know, know, it's it's hard because, you know, I believe women should wear whatever they want and they should be able to choose whatever they want. But I also know that the patriarchal society that we live in tells us what we should wear and what what looks good and what doesn't. You know, and, and that's not for everybody. And lots of brands and lots of women are claiming that back and things like that. But in general, we live in a patriarchal society. We are viewed by men, and we know this because we are sexualized everywhere in advertisements, in film and TV, in comic books, um, even in the written word, we are sexualized. So it's very hard to separate seeing them in those costumes from sexism and them being empowered. And it's just like, would they at any point not go, maybe I want to wear leggings with this leotard? And they don't really? seem to be doing that or getting that choice. You know, they just have the same costume throughout. And I think that doesn't work either because, first of all, those costumes must stink. And second sure. of all, there's just going to be some days where you've got a bit of a bloat. You don't want to be wearing well, a leotard. It's not and, it's like, and I know um, it's a comic and I shouldn't be realistic about it. But no, I just but you should be. Because, like, I just... because they do enough showing them not when
1: they're not playing yeah they're dressed except when they're at the beach when they're not playing they're just dressed like folks yeah like they don't unlike they don't always have an exposed midriff even mel sometimes has a shirt that covers her whole stomach it's (laughs) amazing but when they're and then as they progress and they get to like the rock girls with the r's you know um, and there's they're they start to they're they're still wearing the pussycat costumes, but they are showing a little more skin or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and that is again indicative of the time. You know, there's like they've got, oh, look, you look like you're in the runaways. Oh, look, like you look like you're yeah. in whatever the spice girls, you know, as the time. And I think that's amazing that again it keeps up with the times. But there's definitely um, you know, like you said, it's still the iconic we're wearing the leopard suits in some way. And at no point are they like, I'm gonna definitely wear pants. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wear pants with my leopard suit today. And that's
0: okay. I've got my period. I'm gonna wear some joggers. (laughs) Like, you know? (laughs) Right, that's gonna happen. And, and (laughs) And I do think it is about the framing of it. I think a lot later on when you can tell there are more diverse people writing and drawing it, that like the way the panels are framed and the way we look at the women, then it's not exploitative. early on it definitely feels like that that it is as if somebody's got a camera and said i want to see some butts i want to see you know it's not like they've all got massive cleavage or anything like that but i want them in a low cut top because i i want to have a little sneaky peek It's, it's sort of a suggestion of boobies right you know and and because of the way it's it's like literally framing looking exactly at their bodies and it feels very much like there are so many panels where it feels like it's a camera pan up because it's that one long panel and you see their whole bodies, you see their long legs and their long life bodies. And, and that is if what you would see. You totally, if they took those panels and made them into a film, you would see the camera panning up their legs and seeing their whole body.
1: Yeah, no, I cannot. I can't argue. The, the only, the only interesting thing about the costumes is that, so Dan DiCarlo, his wife is Josie DiCarlo and the idea for Josie and the Pussycats came because they were on a cruise and she was in a cat costume. Nice. And so literally he saw his wife in a cat costume and was like, wow. Um, And he made, right. (laughs) So that's awesome. I love that. I love that. Like, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, he looks at his wife in that way and he wants to project her onto, you know, the rest of the world. And that's great. But I agree with you completely, everything that you're saying. And I think I mention her a lot because I am a fan. I've seen Joan Jett play. If you've never had the opportunity to see Joan Jett play, do. Um, She's such a fucking badass. But because Joan in the Runaways, when she was in the Runaways, and then when she started the Blackhearts and created her own label, and she has just been her own badass, she's the boss. Um, You know, the Blackhearts can come and go. It's Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, right? Yeah. So, but Joan is definitely, you know, got in trouble for you know showing up wearing next to nothing or whatever like i'm just gonna wear a leather jacket with no shirt on that's the show that's what i'm wearing today um and so that is her showing her body and control of her body because it's her band whereas in this alex is their manager and they're under the cabot thumb a lot so i think that's also part of the problem for me is it's not Josie and the Pussycats don't manage Josie and the Pussycats. They've got a manager who just happens to be a rich white guy. So I can't get past it um, about that choice that they're making. And I'm of the opinion, and, and this is, you know, say what you will. Um, it's not the same with sports because I feel bad the way that some of the outfits that athletes have to wear female athletes, Ugh. like specifically the volleyball players. And like, yeah, that's not disgusting. But like if a woman wants to go for a run and she wants to just wear her sports bra and she's running and she runs yes. by, if you want to look, you should look because she chose to go for a run. She got dressed that morning. She put on her sports bra and went for a run. And you're like that hot, sexy lady is running by. She knows that she's out running like that. That's different than. I'm on this professional sports team. And if I'd like to make this money, I have to wear this skimpy outfit. Like there's this difference. And so yeah, that's, yeah. that's how I feel about this is it's not like your choice, the Joan Jett thing. Joan Jett is saying, take a look. Lita Ford notoriously was always like, take a look. I'm going to go out. This is the choice I'm making as the front woman of Lita Ford Incorporated. I'm going to go out and show it off and maybe take my top off during the show and good on her. That's her choice. I just I'm always on the fence. So I'm glad to know you're I'm not I'm not projecting saying like, I don't know that later, but those early 20 years, I don't feel like Josie and the Pussycats had a lot of say in what their outfits were.
0: No, I I completely agree. And and, and I agree with all of that. You know, we, we should all be able to wear whatever we want. And, you know, I used to go running in my sports bra and stuff like that. Just you know, don't make comments to women as they're running. Yeah, no, fine. But like if
1: so, if yeah. you're running, like, in a I mean, I'm a perv.
0: Run. I'm not going to lie. I'm a perv. And if anybody's remotely hot, I perv at them. Okay, so you you exactly. look. So I get it, okay. but yeah. I don't then like sexually whistle. harass them or shout at them. Exactly. Like. Yeah, <laughs> and you're also not I would... whistle at them. <laughs> yeah, and also I wouldn't. You know, if I was making a film, I wouldn't spend. I wouldn't. I have morals. I wouldn't spend all my time focusing my camera looking at. The hot body parts of people correct right i mean i would want to but, you but wouldn't. i wouldn't right because <laughs> i have why. morals <laughs> well see and that's why i love the
1: spy who dumped me because it does i love
0: that film so it much. does
1: the exact it is the exact movie shot for shot as if it were but if it were if you just flipped the leads and shot the exact same movie it would have tripled its budget the yeah. problem is is that like for no good reason, there's full frontal male nudity. and my favorite shot in that whole movie is the shot from behind and his balls are swinging. and there's yeah. and they do the camera between the legs. It's absurd and everybody's like, like we're in the theater. Lee and I are laughing our asses off in the. Theater <laughs> like we love that movie, and we laughed so hard in that. And everybody's like really uncomfortable. You're like, but how many shots between a woman's legs have you seen? Yeah, a hundred million D billion D. And now you have to see this naked women too. So this one time you had to do a shot between a man's naked legs and now you're like, uncomfortable. Right? So so what does that make you say about all the stupid shots? So I think it was so smart. It was so funny. It was it was the ultimate female gaze movie. And instead of like not doing it, they did it. They are like, oh, yeah. okay, we're going to just make it. We're going to make an action movie with the female gaze. So you're going to look at junk and it's going to be men's junk instead of women's junk. Deal with it. And I think it was so smart and so funny um, and it made people uncomfortable, and so I think you know there's a way to do it in a subversive way, and then there's a way to just not do
0: it at all. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, because it's intent. It's all about intent. Yeah, yeah. and Agreed. and I, and I don't feel that early on in Josie, the intent is good. I don't. I don't feel that it is. I
1: agree. I totally agree.
0: All right.
1: Well, we're we're coming up. Can you believe it? We've been going for an hour. I think one of my Ooh. favorite lines is when they go to Elk Club Crepo with the K. <laughs> I'm like. That was awesome. So um, there is a section in here where it's clearly, and we'll talk about this when we do the next show, but there's a there's a scene in here where Josie's doing schlepsy cola and there's all kinds of, yeah, that, like, that inspire the movie when we get to the movie. Um, was there something, was there, what's, what's on your notes? What have we missed? What haven't we talked about yet that you definitely want to cover before we start wrapping up and pitch the, the second half of this project, The Josie and the Pussycats?
0: it's a lot more positive the more it goes on in both its representation of the band and of the world and I think that's really nice to see I think that's one of the really good things about reading it as a whole and reading it throughout yeah and I'm not saying that there's intentional bad intentions that you know what I mean I do (laughs) <laughs> no bad yeah well oh, that really got away from it me. wasn't
1: intentionally <laughs> stevie
0: yes yeah or you know or the or it's you know it's not intentionally pitting women well no i think it is intentionally pitting women against me at the beginning but I think, yes yeah. yeah yeah but i think all of all of that changes and i think that's a really positive thing Look, like it's not perfect you know there's there's many things that are happening in in the latest versions that aren't perfect and that's fine but i think it the fact that it grows and it's changed, that it changes is really important. It's really nice to see um, going from the very beginning, especially not knowing that much about it, you know, for me personally and starting to read it and just being like, it's like, I was just like, this is weird. Again, not in a bad way because it, I was like, this is like you said, such a time capsule. And I was like, this is weird. I don't really agree with it all. And there's some things I don't like, but I'm enjoying it. It's silly. It's fun to, as it gets later, later on, I'm like, right, I understand this. I know why they're doing this. This is important that they've done this. I think this is a good character change. I think this is a good story change. I think this would speak to multi-generations of girls and women. And I think that's really important. And I think the fact that it's a female band, it's talking about women, you know, it doesn't talk about women's issues or anything like that, but it is talking in a fun fantasy way about a female band. And I think that's rare. We would see that about a million male bands, which is something we'll talk about when we talk about the the film as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think that's unique and that's special just because it's not perfect. It doesn't mean that it isn't without merit. No, I agree. a very long way to get to that.
1: No, and I like that you said perfect because that was punny as well. Um, (laughs) no i should have gone purr. perfect yeah yeah I can't, I can't done your ursa purr. kit yeah i yeah. can't do it either where we talk about i mean i feel like too ursa kit. like when you see her in uh the in batman 66 i feel like there's a little bit of inspiration for her with with some of the pussycats yeah. as well like woof um not woof in a bad way but woof in a woof. <laughs> i was one of those boys who never thought girls were gross and i'll just tell you uh, yeah.
0: i mean i was one of those girls that thought both those boys and girls were pretty awesome so. yeah <laughs> so you're like hey hey, lots yeah. of things to do with like uh, the kit and Oof. i mean mostly cat women in general Like, yeah I julie mean,
1: newmar it doesn't matter yeah. right yeah no and i think that even the batgirl from six i can't think of the actress's name she was because you know she's yeah. the so that's why babs looks the way she does now is because of the batman 66 show like that is the
0: oh i didn't know that yeah yeah
1: that that design for her is what has lived on like batgirl was the original batgirl was Nothing like what was Ooh. not even Babs. She was somebody else, and then they they kind of put her in as the librarian and everything in the '66 show, and that is part of her canon that came from that.
3: Uh-huh. But
1: also, oof. yeah, but it, yeah. As, a, <laughs> as a young boy, like wow. Um, I hear anyway. <laughs> Either here or there, and again, this is what I'm saying. It's like I not. It's not a disrespectful thing. I'm acknowledging that's a pretty lady. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, so here's the thing about Joseph and the Pussycats. We had fun. I feel like, um, we, we looked at some, we looked at some Pussycats in their costumes. We, 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 we love their music. We love them. Um, it is, it is, it is that ultimate, like, I think that's a good way to end though, because it is true that there is a way to, like you said, to, uh, to use your word, to perv on someone, but to also not be gross about it. Like, so it's weird to use both, but it's because you can't look at something objectively ryan gosling is handsome is he i think so you don't think so
0: is he handsome or does he have charisma okay
1: okay maybe he has charisma but it's fine. so it's like you're looking to look at him or it's like you like like you know chris evans with his shirt off you're like hey, i mean
0: him. he is handsome
1: okay so you look at that everybody can look <laughs> and go like my, my favorite things in date night is mark Wahlberg doesn't have a shirt on in the whole movie and yeah. it's like of course he doesn't have a shirt on in the whole movie and he is totally objectified the entire movie and he <laughs> knows he's in on the joke but how do you not look at mark Wahlberg and be like yeah don't put a shirt on mark and then that's the whole steve carell's thing and that whole movie yeah. is like how about we put on a fucking shirt which is such a great line but Also, Steve Carell's in the room with Mark Wahlberg and you know, like behind the scenes, he's like, man, you don't need to put a shot. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) So it's hard, you know, so it's like you acknowledge this is what somebody looks like and somebody is attractive. And I think that's one of the cool things that Josie and the Pussycats does is it, it acknowledges there's these sexy, powerful women who are also, can also be objectified. And that's a line we have to walk. And I think you can't, Mm -hmm. anytime you talk about kind of any empowerment story for whatever reason, whatever the thing is, that's going to be part of it. And so I just, I think it's, um, I, I just, I really liked it. I really enjoyed uh, having this chat with you. I think it's Yay. a lot of fun and I think it's a smart, uh, everybody should go read this. So it's on Hoopla Digital, the unofficial sponsor of this show. You can go get volume one and two and the new series, the 2016 series, uh, Marguerite um, and Cameron's series. It's very good. So I just think it's, it's just a lot of fun and it's cool to see how the, Even as they change and they get more punk rock and they get more, you know, ass metal and whatever, all the things that they go through, they go through all the changes of of music. Um, They look remarkably the same. So it's very cool. Um, So let's talk about there's two things we need to talk about um, before I ask you the final question. So the next thing is. the next month that you come on, we're going to talk about Tamara Drew, which is something I'd never heard of. So yes. everybody, just a quick, just a snippet to why you picked this, because this is exciting Ooh. for me.
0: Okay. So it's, okay. So it's Tamara Drew and it's basically- Oh, I'm basically, sorry. Ugly what did American, you say? Tamara. Oh, did you like really Americanize it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, uh, so yes, yeah, so it was a weekly comic strip about a young- a journalist called Tamara Drew, and she comes back to her family home in the countryside, and it's like the classic thing of all the men back in her home village fall in love with her and how she navigates that, how she owns that or doesn't own that. You know, it's very interesting look at a young woman who you know is beautiful in her prime. And how the world reacts to her for just existing as a young, sexy, beautiful woman. Nice. I I'm trying to, for some reason, I'm trying to do it without spoilers. And there's Oh, yeah, really don't spoil it yet. Spoiler. Cause I've not
1: read it yet. So I've got my copy waiting for me to pick up at the library. So I'm very excited. So that's our next month on this Indie Comic Spotly show. But then in a few days, you and I were gonna meet. So this show is coming out on Thursday. So you're listening to this on Thursday, everybody. So on Sunday, which is just a few days from now the premiere of your new show is coming and I'll be back. And we're going to spend our time in Riverdale some more talking about the yet. So tell everybody what the premise of the show is and what we can expect.
0: Yes. So the show is called Femme on Film and it is basically, as we all know, mediocre men, especially mediocre white men could make as many films as they want, no matter how rubbish they are, no matter whether they're successful or not. But women don't get afforded that opportunity. So I'm looking at films that are either unfairly maligned because they are for women or they are by women or they are starring women. Or if a woman makes a film and any aspect of the film and the film is like not five star reviews bam 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 top of the charts so they therefore don't get to make a film again or for a long time and one of the films that stands out for me is Josie and the Pussycats so I've talked about this in previously both about Josie and about um oh my god my brain's just completely gone um Diablo Cody film Weird. jennifer's body thank you my brain my own brain just thanks myself that's weird good
1: job um, brain. i yeah. so, yeah, yeah.
0: have you not, oh, I'm not like yeah, you yeah. you will love it anyway so there are two films that i talk about that are that when i watched them i was basically told because i love film and i read a lot of film reviews and i was involved in film communities i was not allowed to like these films because they're not very good um and it turns out the older i've gotten i've gone they are good and they're actually way ahead of their time. They're talking about women, women's issues, you know, specifically with Josie and the Pussycat. It actually isn't the greatest film ever, but actually it was way ahead of its time. It's talking about things that are important for women, for about female pop stars. Oh, this we're going to talk about it. I'm, yeah. I'm getting too excited, so I'm not going to talk about it now. Um, but so it's basically looking back at these films through a feminist lens They don't have to be great films, but they are films that had something to say. And society said, no, we don't want to say these things. You're not allowed to like them.
1: Nice. I can't wait. I've got, I mean, to me, when you say that, so there's a movie that just came out that I saw, it came out during the pandemic. And it was one of those ones where it was like, I got it on Hoopla and I was waiting and waiting and waiting because I knew I had to take a plane trip. And I was like, I'm going to wait and watch this one on the plane. And it's called Shadow in the Cloud with Chloe Mortez. Chloe Grace, I, am I saying her last? Name? Hit Girl is what I still always know yeah. her as. Okay, so it is fucking amazing. I All right, it is. It is like super. Every like the critics hate it. Everybody hates it. I got done watching it, and I thought about it for like a week. And I kept Blake and I, Blake Bortles and I, from the. Um, he's one of the VHS Strikes Back guys. He was on when mm-hmm. we talked. When we talked um, about blankets, and and the thing is, is I think it's like. A feminist masterpiece. It is so good. And here's the thing. Here's the here's the premise. It takes place during World War II. Um, a woman. There's a there's a goblin on a plane, and there's a baby. I can't listen. It is the most batshit crazy bananas. <laughs> I. It is. I can't even express to you how amazing it is. So it's free <laughs> on Hoopla. It's on streaming on Amazon. Shadow Ooh. in the Cloud. Chloe's in it. I I would put that on your short, it's just, it's new. So it's, it's, there's not a big lens to it, but it bombed. Everybody's like the the ratings are low. I've not heard anybody who's watched it, who hated it. So it's like, why are the ratings low? It's just Mm -hmm. like with Captain Marvel before it even came out, everybody was like, it got hit. And the other one I can think of is Jennifer Garner's, not Electra, which you know that I like, and I'm going to defend Steve and I are going to go up against, but Peppermint which was a couple of years ago. And it is like, she learned how to do like street fighting and everything. So that movie bombed. And during the pandemic, it came out on Netflix. And all of a sudden it was the number one movie on Netflix. it was like, what's this movie she made for Netflix? But it was a theatrical release, but everybody was like, don't go see it. It's bad. It was just a revenge thriller. If it had been Jason Statham instead of her, it would have been a huge hit.
0: Exactly, and this is what drives yeah. me around the bend. And you know, you're talking about, and there's so many instances yeah. that I can think of. Yeah. Salt with Angelina Jolie, right? Oh my god, it was, it was how was Tom that not a franchise? It. That film is amazing, I and love she that is movie. absolutely stunning in it. And 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 everybody was like, "Oh no, it's just a spy film. It's just a silly Angelina Jolie spy film." And it's not. It's genuinely amazing. It's so you see good. This, so good. You see this all this time. I've, I've talked about this previously. I don't know if it was with you, but. Greta Gerwig's Little Women. So when it was out and it was in all the award nominations, male critics said they will not go and see it because it's called Little Women, because it's for women and their men. You know, we see this time and time and time again. And, you know, now that we're in, like, 2020, 2021, we're a lot more critical and we're a lot more vocal about it, which is fantastic. I mean, it shouldn't be happening. But there are films, like, even from, like, five years ago that should have been bigger than they are yeah. and they are not and you know and it's almost that the women who were involved in it are were punished because they were involved in it you know um genuine chit chat mike talks about ghost the ghostbusters yeah i love made. that ghostbusters movie
1: right and, it, and i like it's, i don't even like the original but i thought the 2016 one I don't was not like the
0: original ghostbusters i don't that's anyway a different story yeah <laughs> that's a different that you know and and i just think you know and i'm not the first person to be to be talking about these things, you know, Jennifer Jennifer's body has had a massive revival, and I'm you know I'm excited about that. I'm not gonna be like, oh, people beat me to beat me to talking about it. You know, that excites me, and I want more of that. And I think that the more we talk about these things, the more we can reclaim them, and the more as women film viewers who we watch more films than men, we go to the cinema more than men, we can start reclaiming film for us. We can stop having these shots of our butts and our tits and you know and we can stop being fridged we can stop being a man's motivation like that's that would be like if I was in charge of everything but in the meantime I can talk about what annoys me about these films that are unfairly maligned
1: It's amazing I can't
0: wait so we know for sure I'm going
1: to do Josie and then yes. we know that um, you and Tanya are going to do Grease too. yes and then, I'm very excited and about and Kendra is going to do Jennifer's Body
0: Yes. So I it sounds so. like maybe Steve Conroy is going to do Spider. Yes. So I, and um I'm and I'm getting Spider Dan on as well. So he's doing a slightly different perspective, but I should give him a shout-out actually. It was through having a conversation with him that started the germination of this idea. Nice. So I was chatting or going to his show and I was talking about Josie. And basically, poor fella, I was having a, a rant via our via our DMs about Josie and the Pussycats being like this film is. Absolutely unfairly maligned, and all of this. And people said that's But if it was about men, there was loads of films like this that were made about men that people thought were funny and slaps it blah 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 blah. And he and he was wonderful because he's a lovely man and was just yes. like, yeah, cool. Do you want to come on and talk about it? And I was like, well, I do, but I also want to come on and talk about something else. Slither, <laughs> so no, you're going to do slither, right? This, slither, yes. Yeah. So it's like I'm not going to do this now. And it was from that that I started going. There are so many other films on this list that I want to talk about. And in fact, Tamara drew they made into a film oh. with Gemma Arterton yeah um which actually got pretty good reviews but went nowhere well seeing that shit,
1: the- having pretty good reviews and going nowhere is, is another part of it too so as the yeah. show goes on I can't wait to see and I'm honored to get to be your first guest and uh yeah. like I said I've got as I've been thinking about it like there's There's a ton that are great, and I think um, you know, anything that Jennifer Garner is the star of is probably going to be on the list. Um, She is
0: Jennifer Garner cries, I cry. She is she
1: herself is unfortunately maligned, and and I think Angelina is the same way. I think Salt was amazing. I actually um, loved the reboot of. I I didn't care for the original um, Tomb Raider films, but the reboot was amazing, and it and it made plenty of money. But they were like, we're not going to make a sequel, and then they finally they are they're shoot filming it right now. And uh, the same thing with Alita Battle Angel. I loved Alita mm. Battle Angel. I fucking love that movie so much. I was like, oh my God. I, I, I can't, and, and again, it's finally, they're going to get a sequel because James Cameron's throwing his money at it. So if James Cameron yeah. money's involved, it's going to, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited for this project. I think I think your list is long, unfortunately. Yeah, my problem with Greta Gerwig's Little Women was that you give away that Beth dies. Like you, you do the dodge, like by telling it out of order, it takes all the power away.
0: But don't you think that everybody knows that Beth dies? So. I don't.
1: I don't think everybody's read oh, I think, really? I do don't think, think everybody's, I mean, I, I know there's the joke on Friends too. I don't
0: think Beth is going to
1: make it. But <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, I didn't care for it oh, being wow. pulled out of order. That bugged me. Plus, every time Amy, they don't kill Amy. Like, it always pisses <laughs> me off. Like, every time ah. Joe saves Amy, it makes me mad all over again. Like, I hate <laughs> it so much. Not that France, Lawrence Fugue was great. But any time... <laughs> Amy lives. I'm mad. In the let book, I'm mad. Let her drown.
0: Let her drown.
1: I fucking hate Amy. <laughs> like, I'm on record saying, let Amy, Ab- like, why don't, why kill Beth? Kill Amy. That's a better story. I'm just saying it out loud. I'm team Beth. that's not how life works. I'm team Beth. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's, un- if that is an, un- in my house, that is a very popular opinion. I, we need to get it on a t-shirt team team beth. beth yeah we both love beth and we both hate amy like and every time we watch another movie version or anything we're like oh fuck amy's going not die in this one okay
0: i need to start a crowdfunder to make a version where amy dies just for you two. Fuck amy god
1: i didn't mean for us to go down that route anyway fuck amy march is all i'm saying you are an asshole i cannot believe you burned those books that is that is unforgivable forever uh, fuck right uh, off fuck uh, i mean sorry oh uh, dear she's awful anyway that's that's good writing that you get that mad about a fictionalist. <laughs> uh, anywho i
3: uh,
0: don't think i've ever so, ever heard anyone say fuck right off amy march
1: well it's gonna go out into the uh, internet and find out what happens <laughs> anyway i hate her so much so um oh yeah dear. Team, beth. team beth that's all i'm gonna say uh, so now that we're gonna come back around to josie and the pussycats as we went down that yes. 15 minute rant who do you think should read josie and the pussycats and then tell everybody how they can find you on the internet where you're selling team beth uniforms
0: <laughs> yeah new t-shirt i'm gonna start off uh, yeah. a little shopify yeah. um, <laughs> um as always everybody read josie and the pussycats i mean I'm not going to subscribe to them maybe stick maybe skip the bits but but maybe skip the the horror, horror bits. ones are not great they don't bring anything genuine they're just a bit of a waste of time uh, I was reading those bits in a hotel room with my toddler sleeping in the bed next to me with all the the ipad light dim and I was like oh no this is this is this is risking her waking up it's not worth it so that's how much it's not worth it um <laughs> So a, but I would say the latest iteration is a definite must read. I think if you're interested, just go for it. It's really interesting. They're doing a really interesting character study with Josie. Um, and she's not the nicest person, but I think we can all not. identify. Yeah. But I think, I, you know, not all of us are perfect and we can identify with many of the things that she's going through and maybe not make us feel that great about ourselves. But it's better to know your faults than it is yeah, to ignore them. I agree. <laughs> I totally
1: agree. Nice. I could not agree more with all that. So you're on Twitter, I hear.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This newfangled social media platform. Yeah. How do you I heard of it before? Yeah. Where are you? And then you probably should spell your name. <laughs> yeah. Or you just oh, click yeah. the link in the show notes, but just in case people just don't want to link. do that. click the link because nobody ever spells or pronounces my name correctly so it's at ria carrigan r-i-a-c-a-r-r-o-g-a-n and that's twitter and instagram and you can find me at the pop grillers with tony as well and a little heads up we we're on apple podcast now it's i heard exciting. you
1: told me i know pretty yeah, exciting
0: i know i'm i immediately went and searched i mean i know what our podcast is but i still had a look so find us on the Pop grillers Obviously, I'll be doing this, which is so much fun. Find me in Comics in Motion for Femme on, or Femme, ooh, feel my stamps. I, I can't do the ooh, it's on. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I've been doing some stuff recently with Mike of Genuine Chit Chat. Shout out to Mike and Tonya. Whoop, whoop, whoop and that's it i'll stop talking now no that's awesome late.
1: that's fantastic that's all important stuff so i'm on twitter at tricycle Boombox. you can go there and you can uh follow me there or go to my website ar farina which has links to all the things um that i that i'm working on and doing and um so we we listened to a version of josie and the pussy Death on the way in uh probably the original cartoon version is probably what we heard on the way in and then on the way out we heard tanya donnelly and um Julian hatfield's joseph and the pussycats from the saturday morning and then when we do the show when we do the movie we'll hear that the actual "Josie and the pussycats yeah. from the movie we'll hear their version because i may or may not have all the versions of all the joseph <laughs> pussycats on my computer i do hashtag i do so everybody listen to the to the sounds of tanya donnelly and Julian hatfield two 90s rockers who i'm still a big fan "Josie and the pussycats see everybody next time bye now